Welcome to the Pro Se Movie Club, where this week we are talking about A Few Good Men, Rob Reiner's gripping 1992 legal drama starring Tom Cruise as Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, a cocky young Navy lawyer, not to be confused with the time he was a cocky young Navy pilot, uh, who prides himself on never seeing the inside of a courtroom. Caffey spends his days settling cases and playing softball, cracking wise, and generally coasting through life. But that all changes when he's asked to defend two Marines accused of murder. Caffey takes the case, butting heads with Colonel Nathan Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, all culminating in an explosive showdown at trial that teaches Caffey, and really all of us, about what it means to have honor. Let's talk a few good things. Order the code red. He did? That's great. Why didn't you say so? And of course, you have proof of that. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. You were sick the day they taught law at law school. Joining me this week to talk about a few good men are a few good co-hosts. With me, as always, Amber McKinney. Nice to be here. Bill Donahue. I am very excited to be here. Before we talk about the, the movie, this is a pertinent question. Um, how do you guys feel about the truth and your ability or inability to handle it? I can Amber? 100% handle the truth. Okay. Yeah, Bill, I feel good about where, it. Where do you stand on, on this important issue? Personally, I cannot handle the truth. Okay, well, we're off and running, I think. But I do believe that the truth is out there. <laughs> <laughs> Different movie. We'll do, we'll, we'll do the X-Files next week. Um, so here's the thing to know about A Few Good Men, um, if I can just speak candidly. Uh, this movie rules. That's my initial uh, sort of offering to this Again, conversation. I can handle the truth, and that is the truth. Um, so I was actually texting with Bill a few days ago about a, about a different movie, and I thought you had a really smart comment. I don't even remember what movie we were talking about. But you talked about uh, how you were going to file it under no need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, and I really thought about that when I, was, when I was rewatching A Few Good Men, because it's definitely true to say this movie is, like, formulaic. But there's something to be said about really executing a formula very well. It's sure. one thing. It's, it's it's one thing to have like a recipe for a cake, but that sure. doesn't mean you're like gonna nail it every time. And this has like all the elements of it's really everything you want in a legal thriller, especially if you know like a, a, a trial movie. And it just hits every beat. And I mean, I mean, I don't mean to be too effusive here, but it just it's very striking to me how well it plays the hits, so to speak. Well. You mentioned that it's it's formulaic, and I mean, I think it falls very clearly, like many of the best legal films, into sort of the big bucket of it's a procedural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a story that gives us insight into a very specific technical world where, you know, there's lots of complex jargon, there's procedure that we we hear, we we uh we take in this this story in a in a way that you know all those things heighten the story without leaving us completely lost and i don't think it comes as any surprise that that you know this kind of procedural story comes from aaron sorkin because yes i don't think there's anyone who does this kind of thing better than him you know using this over your head sort of quick talking uh dialogue he did it with the West Wing with politics. He did it with, um, you know, the world of founding a tech startup in the social network. Yeah. He did it with 
reinventing extremely dense baseball statistics in, <laughs> in, in Moneyball. Yes. Um, it's, uh, you know, he is is the best at telling those kind of stories. So I'm very happy that we're doing this movie. My Sorkin note for this movie was... <laughs> Snappy talk, so much better than real life. Well, not only that. And that's always how I feel in his movies. Yeah, well, I mean, he really put him on the map, too. It's adapted, I think, as most people probably know. It's adapted from his own stage play in the 80s. He was kind of kicking around the off-Broadway scene in New York. This play was like a huge hit. Um, And this is like, it's really a great, and we'll talk about the performances as well, but I mean, it's a great marriage of like, this is an introduction to the way that he writes characters. And he just nails this incredible cast that that gets to the 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 dialogue just sings when it comes out of their mouths and yeah. it's like very noticeable. I like that you know you're coming at this Alex as you know a, a heightened version of a classic form. Bill is commenting on how it's a great <laughs> procedural. I view this as a morality play. Yes, to me that's yeah. what the core of this movie is, and maybe that's why it fits into that bucket of you know an expected procedural or a great um, master class in what a traditional form is. This is like a the oldest tale there could be. You take, you know, Daniel, who, you know, questionable choices and direction in his life, and then mm-hmm. you put him through this trial, and at the end of it, liter- both literally and figuratively trial. a trial, <laughs> yes. and at the end of it, he's getting saluted for his honorable work. It's yes. classic stuff. The other thing that really works well is, you know, we were doing a podcast on this, of course, so when I was watching it, I was thinking about how best to talk about it. And the thing is, it's kind of an involved case. There's lots of different points of fact and law that they that they have to get wrapped up in. You mean you're not up on all the intricacies of JAG procedure? Well, not even that. I mean, at one point we're talking about how quickly lungs burn blood or uh, <laughs> sure. b- b- burn cells instead of oxygen sure. and all of that. Um, and so it's like, it, it could, like if you explained it verbally to somebody, it would be maybe a little like, you know, difficult to, to explain. But the movie, like you don't get lost in it at all. I mean, and I, you also don't get bored, which would be well, another no. real risk. Well, like I, and this is probably as good a place as any to start getting into it. But I just to get to the to the point um, that I was saying, like this, I I count it off at least at least just from a legal standpoint as they build the case, which is what this entire movie is about. This movie is two hours and sixteen minutes long. At minute fifty, they get in the courtroom, and from then on, it's all either in the in the in the courtroom or preparing for the courtroom. Yeah. Um, these are all of the things that they have to tackle as a legal team. So you have this issue of it's about, of course, as I think most people know, this Marine at the Guantanamo base in Cuba. His name is Santiago. He is attacked in the middle of the night by his uh, superiors, uh, Dawson and Downey, and, and, the, and, he, and he dies. Uh, and so the mystery flows from there. So, but, the, but the legal team has to deal with this um, Santiago being regarded as a screw-up or mistreated within the unit. And they, they examine witnesses to that point. Santiago claiming that his superior officer illegally fired into Cuban territory. Then there's this issue of the rag being poisoned when he was assaulted. There was a rag shoved down his throat. And then the messiness of this doctor's report. Then you have the task of proving that they were ordered to carry out this attack and why that's important from a legal standpoint. And then finally, there's this issue. There's this messy issue of him being uh, was going to be transferred or not transferred off the base and every single scene where they examine somebody on the witness stand gets to one of those points. It's just, it's masterfully pulled together. It teeters perilously close to being too complicated. I, I thought I, I I hadn't seen this movie in years. It's, um, you know, it's obviously a cable movie. You've seen Mm -hmm. individual scenes a lot. Everyone has seen the climactic scene. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, it is a little hard to follow at times, but I think what, you know, the the genius of the movie is that it uses it it ultimately keeps you there. It has enough moments where where yes. they rehash. I mean, they tell you uh, about, you know, um uh a code red 47 times. Oh, yeah. And the music score does you a lot of favors every time somebody sure. comes up with a code red. The big <laughs> swell so you don't miss it. Oh yeah. Uh the other thing to know about this movie before we uh, dive into the plot, uh just uh, this is just a uh, point of fascination for me. Uh, this movie is one of a handful of movies that is a skeleton key if you're ever playing the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. Oh, there's sure. a million people in this movie. Yeah. He's great in it. Um, but uh, that's just something to note. It's this and JFK are the two big ones. There's like sure. a million well, people in JFK. Should we talk a little bit about the cast? Yeah, I think so. Um, fun way to win a bar bet. <laughs> if you ever want to ask somebody, what's the first movie Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. were ever in? They'll probably say Jerry Maguire, and they would be wrong. I, uh, so oh, that's he's, great. He's in one scene. He's one. He's in. The, he's in the platoon. I shouted audibly when when the you know. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> lots of Leonardo Cuba DiCaprio. Up, yeah, there's lots of Leo DiCaprio pointing meme. Uh, well, who else? Who else did you uh, was like you know sort of stood well, out just, to you here? Uh, you know, young Kiefer Sutherland was yes. amazing as sort of the psychotic uh, <laughs> Bible you know, thumping. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, uh, Kevin Pollack was great. was great. excellent throughout the film. Um, uh, fun fact about that, doing a little research for this, that was originally supposed to be Jason Alexander. And that true? Seinfeld um, was filming Happens. and he couldn't, couldn't do it. <laughs> Seinfeld did well. Um, but at the time, yeah. you know, unclear what was going to go on with that. So yeah. he was the original choice there. And I actually think it all turned out for the best because Kevin Pollack's great in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, well, I was going to say Kevin Kevin Bacon was was terrific as the opposing counsel. Kevin Bacon's in it. Uh, Christopher Guest is in this movie yeah. as the freaking doctor. We'll get to, we'll we'll get to that scene, I'm sure. Uh, Demi Moore, of course. We're not we're yep. we're, 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 we're kind of doing Demi Moore dirty here. Um, uh, great period for Demi Moore. Um, this is in the this is in the run of like Indecent Proposal and uh, Ghost is a couple of years before this. Sure. Great stuff. Um, there's a really great delineation of their roles, which 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 sort of come out when we when we get into trial prep and all of that. Um, but we, let's 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 get into the let's get into the movie a little bit here. Uh, the first thing you get very sort of sharply and precisely drawn character intros. Um, the first time you see Demi Moore as uh, Joanne Galloway. She is like meticulously preparing for this meeting she's about to have with the higher ups at the JAG Corps um, and is sort of thinking about how precisely she will word these things. She's alerting them to this case that's come across her desk, um, this Marine who died in Guantanamo Bay. She's running into some, uh, you know, professional class headwinds. And then we see Caffey, Tom Cruise, is literally just like taking nothing seriously, talking about how he's going to plead out a million cases uh, let his let his adversaries go blind on paperwork. Amber, uh, uh, what stood out to you here uh, when we sort of get these these matters of first impression with the? Uh, For the me, character? it's that it was a classic Tom Cruise intro in a movie. He always in this era played the like brash, nothing bothers him guy. It was the cocky young blank, exactly. as I said in my yeah. intro. Exactly. Bartender, and fighter pilot, race a car driver. Perfect mashup with 
an Aaron Sorkin character because yeah. he loves to write those guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he writes a lot of them. Tom Cruise plays a lot of them. So match yes. made in heaven there. I absolutely loved the negotiation that was happening as as we meet Tom Cruise, that it's this negotiation with the prosecutor. And yeah. it reminded me, I mentioned Moneyball at the uh, the top of the show, but you know, the 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 famous scene in Moneyball where there's there's a phone call for a trade and there's a negotiation. <laughs> We've both talked about yes. that being an incredible uh you know baseball scene this is just to see him just going back and forth it gives you so much about the character that obviously we are meant to believe that he loves to settle out and he doesn't like to go to court Mm -hmm. but you know that he's this sort of cocky brash guy it was a great way to get into that i'm going to charge him with possession and being under the influence while on duty you plead guilty i'll recommend 30 days in the brig with loss of rank and pay it was oregano dave it was ten dollars worth of oregano yeah well your client thought it was marijuana my client's a moron. That's not against the law. But Kathy, I got people to answer to just like you do. I'm going to charge him. With what? Possession of a condiment? Kathy. Dave, I tried to help you out of this, but if you ask for jail time, I'm going to file a motion to dismiss. You won't get it. I will get it. And if the MTD is denied, I'll file a motion in limine seeking to obtain an evidentiary ruling in advance. And after that, I'm going to file against pretrial confinement. And you're going to spend the next three months going blind on paperwork because a Sigelman second class bought and smoked a dime bag of oregano. Let's go. Let's get to. I also think sometimes with legal movies, you've got to have the um, people that are going to team up that what skills do they bring? And this is a really clear way. You see how different Demi Moore is from Tom Cruise's character in the movie. Mm -hmm. So you get those first little inklings as a movie watcher of like, they're going to be a great team. Look how that's going to go. If you'll indulge us, Bill, this is probably where we can spend 30 seconds talking about Tom Cruise's uh, softball swing mechanics. If you want to break that down. (laughs) The man didn't, the, for a man who spends <laughs> a, a substantial amount of this movie holding a baseball bat. Yes, he does. It appeared to be the first time he had done so. Yeah, it's a little herky-jerky, right? He's kind of stepping in the bucket. It on, wouldn't be how you would end. teach it. It's not the way you learn. I'm going to shock you both and all of the listeners of Pro Se to hear that I did not notice this at all. <laughs> I've seen this movie multiple times. Never has that thought crossed well, my mind. Well, the first, the first, we definitely don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but the first, the first scene he's swinging the bat, it's, it's very, it's closely cropped. You can't see the bottom half of his body at all. Then on the next one, he's like, his knees are jerking all around. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Anyway, so, uh, Joe wants to be put on the case. Um, she is she is on the case, uh, but not as lead counsel. That gets put to Kathy uh, for reasons that become clear later. He's not thrilled about it. He uh, you know gets his gets his orders. He gets briefed on the specifics of the case. Uh, Sam Weinberg, played by Kevin Pollock, of course, gets put on the team. He has no responsibilities whatsoever. Right. Thought that was very funny. And then they kind of get into this case prep, and they meet um, the clients who are two Marines named Dawson and Downey, and. Um, Amber, would you say these guys are difficult clients to represent? I would say, um, given Tom Cruise's demeanor, yeah. they are difficult clients for him to represent. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're difficult overall, but I think, you know, he clearly comes in with this preconceived idea that he's going to wrap this all up really quickly. And the uh, strong honor code yeah. of these Marines butts up against that pretty strongly right from the beginning. Right, they're contemptuous of of Tom Cruise, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a great little undercurrent of, um, I mean, obviously this movie is deeply steeped in legalese, but of course, it will surprise no one to know it has a lot to say about sort of military culture and the different types of people who populate it. Uh, he gets into this, um, 
uh, in his opening argument a little bit. Um, they're very dogmatic, obviously. They don't say much uh, unless they are directly asked yep, about right. it, which which becomes a crucial plot point later. Um, unit core God country, as you said, and they 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 view this as a as an affirmative defense against the charge of mm-hmm. murder, just saying their their code out loud. Um, but um, during this sort of early phase, you know, you get Caffey and Galloway and Weinberg sort of pulling at different ends of the rope about how best to um, prepare for the case. Uh, but they do go. They actually they do actually do investigative work. They go down to Cuba to the base where the where the assault and the perhaps a murder took place, um, and that is really where you sort of like the worm turns in terms of like the stakes of the case. I think they have that amazing scene uh, uh, where they're having lunch with Colonel Jessup, played like incredibly by Jack Nicholson. Great late stage Jack Nicholson performance. Uh, you were talking about this a little bit before we hit record. Uh, well, we st- you, stood out to you. You meet him earlier in the film in a flashback uh, and yeah. he's restrained. And um, you, you, all you sense with Nicholson in this movie is this potential energy of there's, mm-hmm. he's a caged tiger. And the, the, the moment it suddenly flips at the at the lunch scene in Cuba is just electric that I mean he he he's obviously brutally offensive and he throws down a hard F which in 2021 was extremely <laughs> yeah, jarring yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but just you're like oh man that's who this guy is mm-hmm. I really love in cinema in general measure of the man kind of scenes where yeah. two characters are very clearly like sizing each other up. Yeah. And this scene is one of the quintessential ones of that. You see Caffrey slowly, it's slowly dawning on him exactly what he's dealing with and vice versa. Um, also, this is peak like furrowed brow acting yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're like really like intensely like looking at each other and making the comments. Um, so great, Great way to set up that they are the true um, the true fight in this movie is between the, those two men. Yeah, and there's, uh, I mean, they they are down there to get to get you know sort of shore up the factual record, do interviews about what exactly happened, uh, per, you know, preceding this guy's death, um, and the, the sort of where the worm turns, like you said, Bill, is when they when they ask for this you know document about whether or not he was going to be transferred off the base, and that like really sets him off, plants the seeds for what comes later. Um, but then they get back. And it occurs to them that it's that's possible they were ordered to carry out this assault on Santiago, which um, is not that that is kind of maybe the one thing that maybe keeps this movie maybe a rung below the like my cousin Vinny's of the world and stuff, because it hinges on a legal theory that would never play out in a in a criminal court. The idea like the order is a very military part of it. Um, But of course, they storm in. They demand to know why their clients did not tell them that they were ordered. This is explained away by just saying they were never directly asked, uh, right. which is pretty funny. It's the military, Alex. You got to ask them. That's yeah. like that's a, that is a runner throughout this movie. No, it's true. And I, and he says it when he like waves his hand in front of Downey's face in the first. And he says, does he ever talk? And he says he will answer any direct questions you ask him. <laughs> um, but anyway, this thing about the order is something of a game changer because that's a huge deal uh, in the military. When you are given orders, you're supposed to follow them. Uh, then 
That leads them to sort of get this sweetheart deal from Kevin Bacon. Uh, the second of two recreational sports scenes, they interrupt a basketball game. <laughs> I did. I did love the the you know. It's ex- again just an extreme Sorkinism to be doing something else while you're having these exposition scenes. It's true. There's not a lot of walking and talking because he didn't direct it, of course, and he didn't stage it. But there, but the 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 seeds are there, though. Right? Well, we to know me, it was like, well, what do you think, military? people do in their off time well, sports sure volley- <laughs> volleyball sports. shirtless well they're 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 keeping fit um and this is like a huge bombshell Ro- uh, J- uh kevin bacon's character named jack ross he offers them two years prison time they'll be home in six months they'll be discharged and you know they really have to think about this i love the little um uh kevin bacon does really great stuff here um i really love the little taunt about like you know Joe is immediately like, no deal, we're going to court because she's so, like, idealistic and, like, geared up to fight the good fight and all of that. And he's like, no, you're not. And he's just like, because you'll lose. And Danny knows it. And he's, like, rubbing his face. And it seems, like, <laughs> it seems very curiously lit, too. The light is from beneath them. I, I'm getting I'm – sorry if you're getting too film nerdy or whatever. And he's like, we're going at him with the whole thing. If you guys go to court, they're going to be charged with murder, conspiracy, conduct un- unbecoming. Could be life in prison and all that. Look, Danny. Jessup Star is on the rise. Division will give me a lot of room on this one to spare Jessup and the Corps any embarrassment. How much room? I'll knock it all down to involuntary manslaughter. Two years or home in six months. No deal. We're going to court. Joe. No, you're not. Why not? Because you'll lose. And Danny knows it. And he knows that if we do go to court, I'm going to have to go all the way. They're going to be charged with a whole truckload. Murder, conspiracy, conduct, unbecoming. And even though he's got me by the balls out here, Danny knows that in a courtroom he loses this case. See, Danny is an awfully talented lawyer, and he's not about to see his clients go to jail for life when he knows they could be home in six months. That's the end of this negotiation. I'll see you tomorrow morning at the arraignment. Then, of course, we give way to sort of the 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 fulcrum of this part of the movie is whether or not they're going to plead out. Right. The defendants, of course, don't want to. Um, and... Uh, you know, Kathy, being who he is, wants to. Joe keeps pushing him on it. And then they have, like, that really great exchange um, about, you know, he says, you know, it, it's very interesting because you get you get the sense that he might be, when you first meet him, you think he might be lazy. Like, he just doesn't want to work that hard. But when he talks about it here, Joe is pushing him on, like, you know that these guys are innocent. And, he's, and he, he sort of very sort of, you know, somewhat eloquently says... It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I can prove. Right. He's not lazy. He's cynical. He knows yes. He knows how That's, the system works. He yes. knows that it is not some, some, you know, paradigm of what is true in mm-hmm. the abstract. It's what, what you can actually do in court and sort of the, the constraints that are overlaid on the system. Mm-hmm. Do you believe they have a case? <laughs> you and Dawson, you both live in the same dream world. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I can prove. So please, don't tell me what I know and don't know I know the law. You know nothing about the law. You're a used car salesman, Daniel. You're an ambulance chaser with a rank. You're nothing. Live with that. Since I have the take of this is just a morality play at its base... I love this scene. This is one of my favorites in the movie. I think it's underrated because it really is that thing of like, are you going to stay this cynical lawyer who just racks up wins Mm -hmm. or are you going to be different? Yep. 
uh, and they there's a there's there's a really great little writing trick to like create drama at this sort of like end of the what's basically the first act of the movie, I suppose. Um, where he says, "Okay, well, I'll 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 get him new counsel. Like, I don't even want to be on this case anymore." And then he has the he has the deep introspection at the bar, the like and douchey white collar lawyer. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. At the bar, he's overhearing what is <laughs> the same could thing. have been his own conversation in a different context. The guy says, "Going blind on paperwork." It's yeah, literally what he told the guy on the it's on the exactly. Soft. It's, it's perfect. You know, yeah. What a coincidence! It's extremely helpful. <laughs> looks looks deep within his soul. You know, they show up. They they, they show up to the arraignment. Um. And, you know, after, after deep introspection, you know, he enters the not guilty plea. Um, so they're going to they're going to fight the good fight. They're going to fight the good fight. And <laughs> the, they they have a great get the supplies together uh, sure. monologue at, that, that culminates with the only thing I have to eat is Yoo-Hoo and Cocoa Puffs. So if you want anything else, bring it with you. Hell yeah. <laughs> Iconic line. It's great. <laughs> so many good lines in this stretch of the movie because yeah. also when we actually get into the courtroom and they enter the first, you know, enter the plea here, um, at the end of it, the courtroom clears out very quickly, yeah. first of all. And as Kathy's leaving, he says... So this is what a courtroom looks like. Love it. It's great. I mean, <laughs> it's, just... it, it's like extremely clever-ish, you know, but I mean, but I, 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 I can't resist it. There's a lot of places <laughs> as a legal nerd where this movie makes you want to cheer. Yes. And, and that's one of them. Uh, so then we move sort of squarely into trial mode um, and tr- trial prep mode, uh, uh, really preliminarily. Kind of amazing little like, I don't know, 30 or 40 second montage. Good, good montage. Honestly, work. could have had the whole movie be this. Uh, I wrote down, this is basically trial lawyer crack. <laughs> um, there's um, just all kinds of stuff going on. They're like mapping out the, they're mapping out the defense. They're, they're huddled over stacks of paper. What I really like is that this um, also clearly delineates their roles. Joe yep. is very good on research. He knows the factual record very like, you know, backwards and forwards. Sam is apparently a savant at prepping witnesses. They're they're, they're doing mock examinations. And Kathy is basically mapping out the overall strategy that ties it together. I really like it because we're so used to movie montages where it's like Rocky or something, where it's like (laughs) they're training, they're drinking eggs out of a glass, they're running up and down the stairs in front of the Philly Art Museum. This is that version for a lawyer. So it also just makes me laugh that, that the montage for lawyers is stacks of paper, late nights, uh, long conversations about what you can prove. Lots of Chinese food, which I should, I, I want to say, I just want to mention this movie, that like <laughs> terrific food acting throughout. <laughs> I mean, early on, he's eating an apple. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. He picks That's up right. a donut midway, one through. Maybe this is also a Sorkinism. I'm not sure, but the there's the Chinese food in the, the, the prep scene. Later on, they get seafood and that's heavily involved. Oh yeah, I forgot just about that. Just a ton of great food acting. <laughs> yes, good good food acting. Good note. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite, the, the, the lines are coming fast and furious, obviously it's montage uh, uh one of my favorites is when again he's got the bat and they're and they like there's a there's on the chalkboard they're saying like okay they were ordered they carried it out it was an accident the doctor's report is bogus all of that and then uh at one point sam i think it, i think it's weinberg says uh what about motive and, and cruz just goes yeah we're a little weak on that they have one so, <laughs> so like we're just not even really gonna gonna talk about that right now this is our defense, intent. No one can prove there is poison on the rag. Code red, they're common and accepted in Guantanamo Bay. The order, A, Kendrick gave it, B, they had no choice but to follow it. That's it. What about motive? We're a little weak on motive, they had one. Just because a person has a motive doesn't mean they're guilty. Relax, we'll deal with the fence line shooting when it comes up. For now, 
could we start with intent? I don't know what made Santiago die. I don't want to know. I just want to be able to show it could have been something other than poison. Joe talked to doctors, find out everything. But yeah, I mean, it's it reads as like um, it's a it's a thesis statement for for you know how to do trial law. You know, he's saying keep your poker faces. Anything that happens, you have to pretend like it's exactly what you expected yep. to happen. Don't get flustered. All that stuff. And he also makes a big point to say that that different parts of the law are practiced differently. That trial law is very specific for how you behave and what you do. Oh, yeah. And it's not just the same way you would do it uh, if you were filing a brief or filing a motion. Paper law, as they say paper law. in the movie. <laughs> they do say paper law. Don't love that, but here we go. <laughs> uh, then the trial starts. Um, great openings. Um, you know, you have Kevin Bacon sort of explicitly saying... Just stating the facts of the case, his sort of thesis statement is these are the facts of the case and they are undisputed. Um, they immediately start to go after um, the first sort of uh, testimony of, of substance, though, is the doctor, because um, the the official statement is that there was poison on the rag that these two guys stuffed in Santiago's mouth and he died because of it. And obviously, if you were to intentionally poison something that kind of mitigates this like, oh, we were just kind of trying to rough him up and it went too far. You know, if you poison someone, we should mention that the doctor <laughs> is portrayed by Christopher Guest. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, a somewhat famous director. Uh, who had worked with Rob Reiner on I Spinal Tap. Pain him back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's just a nice little cameo. Bizarre to see him doing this. Like, right. It's it's really a weird energy he brings. He's kind of <laughs> robotic. He's kind of like got that dead-eyed stare. Um, but this is an amazing, this is an amazing little sequence on um, the danger in going after expert witnesses. Um, you know, Joe is sort of like, uh, you know, flailing away at one point. You know, they are having this, this, this back and forth about, you know, whether he changed the medical report after the fact and things like that. Uh, when it becomes pretty clear that that's not really working, though, then she kind of panics, stands up, and we get the famous sort of um, strenuously object uh, sequence, which doesn't work. She gets sort of reprimanded in open court, which is pretty remarkable to see. Um, and then sort of, sort of the first signs of, like, dissension within the team. Strenuously object? Is that how it works? Objection. Overruled. No, 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 no. No, I strenuously object. Oh, wow. Strenuously object, and I should take some time to reconsider. I got it on the record. Yeah, you also got the court members thinking we're afraid of the doctor. You object once so they can hear us say he's not a criminologist. You keep after it the way you did, and suddenly our great cross looks like a bunch of fancy lawyer tricks. It's a difference between paper law and trial law. Sam. Christ, you even had the judge saying Stone was an expert. Sam, she made a mistake. It's not relive it. What do you think about it, Amber? Absolutely love it because the movie reinforces itself over and over about how the law actually works. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have this big montage of all the things that make trials different mm -hmm. from how you can handle things just on paper. Yeah. And she right out of the gate does the opposite of, what, of their strategy and what they've talked about and how they're going to approach this. So not only is it a, sort of a funny button to that scene, but... I think it really makes a good point about how trial lawyers have to approach things differently because of the context that they're in. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you have the opportunity, uh, highly suggest watching this movie with a doctor, as I did, because uh, I'm married to one who can explain the finer points. Yeah, I know. <laughs> who can explain the finer points of lactic acidosis, which is what Great. this is talking about. Uh, also, like how this um, 
at one point goes from an examination of the doctor to kind of a backhanded uh, like accusation against the doctor when they're talking about how he might have missed a heart condition that would right. have produced the same result as being poisoned. Right. Uh, and of course, Guest just has like the, the, the wide eyed. He's like, uh, yeah, I gave him a clean bill of health. Everything's uh, totally cool here. Um, the next sort of bucket of testimony that comes up um, is the guys uh, who are actually in the platoon, which gets to the sort of first prong of stuff I was I was uh, pointing out about the case. They interview they they interview they. Uh, <laughs> I have journalist brain, as you can tell. <laughs> They're having an interview with Cuba Gooding Jr. No, they they examine him on the witness stand, trying to sort of illustrate that Santiago was, um, you know, definitely a screw up. But they were explicitly ordered not to touch him. Uh, also, really like for the sake of uh, economical storytelling, they do that. They do that cool trick uh, when they stipulate that everyone in the platoon is going to do the same exact testimony. Pretty great. Also enjoyed that. Pretty neat little writing trick, uh, gotta say. Then you get the Noah Wiley uh, uh, scene. Great to see him. Uh, we all know that you're in the Noah Wiley hive. I am in the Wiley hive. Uh, I was a big ER guy. Um, and uh, this is a short scene. It's not too instrumental. They talk about how he, the Noah Wiley character, was disciplined for, uh, I think his hands got sweaty and he dropped his rifle. He received a code red. Um, and then uh, the thing that I really like about that was the little back and forth that Cruz and Kevin Bacon have with the um, sort of whether or not there are specific instructions to give people code reds as part of right. your duty in the military. It's like staged with them. Like he Cruz literally yanks the like it's, manual. It's so good. It's good prop stuff. You like in any courtroom drama, you like a time when we're going to look at some photos. We're going to look at a manual. It was great sort of use of a prop in, in that context. Yeah. Well, and it's fun. I mean, this is a, this is a movie about the defense primarily, but it's a fun glimpse into how um, Kevin Bacon is approaching the prosecution. And he's like, He's like, here, this is the official code of regulations for whatever the U.S. Marine Corps, whatever the book's called. And he's like, can you please flip? Can you please flip to the page where it says I can perform code reds? And then he tries to deflect. And then he's got a backup to it too. He's like, sure, oh, that's like a Gitmo thing. He's like, here's the Gitmo manual. It's like, <laughs> they're going back and forth. Corporal, would you turn to the page in this book that says where the mess hall is, please? <laughs> well, Lieutenant Caffey, that's not in the book, sir. You mean to say in all your time at Gitmo, you've never had a meal? No, sir. Three squares a day, sir. I don't understand. How did you know where the mess hall was if it's not in this book? Well, I guess I just followed the crowd at chow time, sir. No more questions. Great stuff. It's, just, it's great little sort of jousting in the courtroom right. that, that typifies stories like this and uh, why they really work. Um... Then we kind of move to what I think is the really sort of heavy hitting part of the um, of the trial anyway. And this is where uh, they examine uh, Kendrick, uh, Lieutenant Kendrick, who is the commanding officer of the platoon, uh, played uh, with, like stridently arch by Keeper Sutherland, as Bill uh, alluded to already. And this is about sort of laying the groundwork for the importance of the orders. And there's a really sort of interesting like there, there, there's a trap being laid that isn't actually sprung until, like, many scenes later. I really, really enjoy the scene. Lance Corporal Dawson was given a below-average rating because he had committed a crime. Crime? What crime did he commit? Lieutenant Kendrick? Dawson brought a hungry guy some food. 
What crime did he commit? He disobeyed an order. And because he did, because he exercised his own set of values, because he made a decision about the welfare of a Marine that was in conflict with an order of yours, he was punished. Is that right? Lance Corporal Dawson disobeyed an order. Yeah, it wasn't a real order, was it? After all, it's peacetime. He wasn't being asked to secure a hill or advance on a beachhead. I mean, surely a Marine of Dawson's intelligence can be trusted to determine on his own which are the really important orders and which orders might, say, be morally questionable? Lieutenant Kendrick? Kenny? Can Dawson determine on his own which orders he's going to follow? No, he cannot. A lesson he learned after the Curtis Bell incident, am I right? I would think so. You know so, don't you, Lieutenant? Object! Sustained. Lieutenant Kendrick, one final question. If you had ordered Dawson to give Santiago a code red... I specifically ordered those men... Is it reasonable to, to think you would have disobeyed you again? Lieutenant, don't answer that. I love this scene, too, for that exact reason. I wrote down, it's the kind of testimonial groundwork to prove a key element of the defense, which sounds so nerdy that that right. was my note, guys. Speak but, on it. But it just feels like... Um, you know, it's heightened because it's a movie, but laying testimonial groundwork is a big part of your job as a lawyer when you're in a trial. And they may not all be quite as dramatic a trap that someone falls into, but you do want to sort of tease out areas where people may be lying or maybe misconstruing what's happening. And that, that's all done with sort of these methodical series of questions. And that's what you get here. Whenever someone asks me what my, you know, authorities are, <laughs> I, I say... Amber McKinney and <laughs> God. Yes. Uh, those, are my, those are my two. And they're the only two. I hope uh, that was the, the Lord order that The which, Lord our God. I, <laughs> yes. I hope that was the order in which you meant them. Yes. Because that's good. Great. Uh, Cruz is also doing a lot of awesome work here. When they're talking about like how important it is when you order someone to do something and he does that. I mean, after all, it's peacetime. That <laughs> right. was good. I, big big uh, post-Cold War vibes throughout the film we they're have di- no more enemies they're discussing the gulf war when they're mm-hmm. at lunch yeah. um there's you know that sort of in you know that is throughout the entire film this idea of what purpose and and also i mean still post-vietnam there's a there's a feeling of what the role of the u.s military is in this era throughout mm-hmm. the movie yeah i also like about cruz's um delivery here that is also a trial lawyer trick that, like, if you have a perception that a jury or a judge views you a certain way, mm-hmm. you use that to your advantage. So he's perceived as this brash kind of, yeah. you know, lackadaisical guy, not a real, not a real Navy guy. Oh, um, yeah. And so he presses that in a few key spots to get witnesses to go down the path he's directing them. Oh, yeah. Whenever we, when, he, when he says, whenever <laughs> whenever we got to go somewhere to fight, you, you Navy boys always give us a ride. <laughs> yeah. Um, the most important thing that happens in this scene, though, of course, when they're talk, in addition to laying this groundwork about, um, you know, how important it is to follow orders, they get Kendrick on the record, on the witness stand, as saying he did not order the code red, right. uh, which is obviously uh, going to be going to prove very crucial. Now I think we can move to uh, one of the defendants gets put on the stand, Downey, who is the more, what's the polite way to say it? The more uh, humble of the two, simple-minded of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quiet. He's meek. Um, yeah. The other guy is like that. Dawson is sort of more the alpha in the relationship. And you're, it's um, the actor's name is James Marshall. Not, nothing really panned out for him. He wasn't in a lot of stuff, but I think he does a really good job of um, he, he's prepping with Galloway. 
and he's like very carefully researching his answers. And of course, this is the risk that you run when you testify on your own behalf uh, in a criminal proceeding, because then Bacon gets a hold of him on cross-examination. And I mean, you want to talk about laying a trap. This is a trap that gets sprung instantly. As it turns out, uh, he's actually not even in the room uh, when he receives the order to carry out the code red, which has been uh, a core part of the factual record this entire time. Um, and your heart breaks for the guy. He's like, he's he's calling out to the other guy to help right. him. And he's like, it's not how it works. You have to answer the questions. Well, they, and 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 again, to, they're really hammering home the, the military theme throughout the movie that it did not even compute to him that his, you know, him getting the, the, the order th- down through the chain of command, yeah. it didn't even compute to him that it didn't matter that he, right. that, or that, that it mattered that he wasn't in the room. He got it from his higher up. My and that's superior, all that mattered. Yes, my superior told me. I also feel like, you know, this is such a master class in how you can marry up things that matter in the legal context with things that matter in driving a narrative forward. Mm -hmm. You had to have something go wrong because things are going really well for the defense team up until this point. So you have to have a bit of a turn so that the ending of the movie matters. Of course, the <laughs> it's a big turn oh, because yeah. then uh, we have, um, of course, uh, Markinson, uh, who we haven't really hit on in, in this show, but no. he's a key, he's a, uh, going to be a key piece of testimony for the defense. He, of course, commits suicide. So it, it really... You know, it, it is this this massive, massive letdown from what seemed like they were cruising toward a favorable result. Yeah. Uh, uh, glad you mentioned Mark and Sin. He's the he's, of course, the, he's the, the right hand man to Jessup, played by the great J.T. Walsh. I don't know if you guys can go deep on the J.T. Walsh uh, thing. He, I feel like there's a lot of actors that show up in just so many things. Well, not and, yeah, yeah. This is in that bucket. Well, not only that, he uh, passed away sometime in the early '90s, and then he had a bunch of movies in the can. And my dad would always be like. J.T. Walsh has been dead for three years, and he keeps popping up at the, at the, at the, at the Cineplex. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, he is—he's a star. He's a star witness. He claims he has information that they were explicitly ordered uh, to carry out the code red after they were told not to. Then, of course, he uh, gets into full dress uniform uh, and blows his head off. Um, and uh, how does Tom Cruise take that, Bill? How would you describe his reaction both to what happened with Downey and then, of course, Markinson, his star witness, uh, killing himself? Tom Cruise <laughs> attempts to portray what a human would be like if they were drunk. <laughs> uh, he is very upset. He's very wet. Uh, He's wet. It is raining outside as if we needed to hammer the point home. You look sadder further. in the rain. I don't know what to you tell do. you. There's a lightning strike when the Downey testimony starts. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, he he comes back to that. They all sort of convene afterwards and he lets them know about the suicide combined with this. Yes. Devastating setback on the Downey testimony. He basically views the case as lost. And it it's confirmation bias for him, because as we have been told a dozen <laughs> times in the film already, right. he does not want to Fight. He wants to settle this case. He is cynical. He doesn't believe that they can win. In a morality play, you have to really test your hero. Yes. <laughs> so here we are. I want to mention, too, that, you know, this scene where he's drunk and he's getting upset and then eventually starts screaming and freaks out. Oh, yeah. This movie is very famous for one scene in which two men scream at each other. Sure. Yeah. But this movie is from beginning to end is chock full of scenes where people scream at each other. There, That's are, true. there are about 14 different scenes where people are sitting just, just inches away from each other, screaming in each other, into each other's faces. Oh yeah. It's amazing. I just want to say Tom Cruise is something of a complicated figure, figure in contemporary Hollywood. I, I miss when he used to take parts like this. I, I love the mission impossible movies as much as anyone else. I see them all. They're wonderful. 
But like, really, like, really like playing a character that like thinks about things and has emotions and processes them. I mean, you see him here. He's like going, like you say, he's just flying off the handle. I'm not even saying it's necessarily like so. Gr- he's not. He's not Olivier doing Macbeth up there. But I. But like, it's it's it's. He literally doesn't make movies like this anymore. That's true. It's 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 like been very calculated. Uh, there's a whole backstory that involves Eyes Wide Shut, which we won't talk about. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, I miss it. That's all I wanted to say about that. Um, the other thing before we sort of get to the grand finale here, uh, as Bill alluded to, uh, I am a huge uh, Sorkin head from the early days. Been a little rough going the last decade or so. Um, but this movie is full of w- one little bad habit he has where um, – and well, let me ask you – actually, let me ask you, Amber. How did you perceive the, 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 like, the writing of the Demi Moore character? <laughs> I have a whole section in my notes. Oh, on you want to talk about that later? Sure do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean we can do it right now if you want though because I do think it's um, – my big take on her – it's it's not clear to me that this was ever written for a woman. Yeah. And they didn't do the retrofitting that I think a, a contemporary audience would need to make this a successful female character. So <laughs> yeah. she, in the movie, makes mistakes as a lawyer. Yeah. But she is the best intentioned of all the attorneys who yeah. knew right off the bat that there was more to this case than anyone else was was giving credit. Yeah, yeah. So she, ha- she comes in with a lot of knowledge and expertise and passion. And at every turn... She is written because she's a woman to just, oh, well, you need Tom Cruise's character to actually yeah, be in court. Sure. And you need um, these other men to tell you what to do. And you couldn't possibly have the right ideas here or make the right choices on your own, little lady. It's yeah. got a real little lady vibe to me. So, yeah, so, uh, don't love that. Well, so, yeah, Sorkin does this a lot where he writes women who are um, – like they check the boxes of being like noble characters. This woman is educated. She's accomplished. She's articulate. But it always comes down to like in every project that he does, like it always comes down to that very qualified woman sitting the man, sitting the sad sack man down and being like, you need to pull yourself out of this. Yeah, it's it's he really wants women to just be muses. That's uh, what they're there for. Just like it's a bad habit. Tell, it pops up a lot. Tell the guy to do it. Yeah, yeah I I had that exact note. In the seafood restaurant at one oh, point, yeah. she says she she I basically want, says you say. are the you are you know, you are amazing. You need to go out and do this. Oh, jeez. Um, she says I want you to make I want you to think I'm a good lawyer. She right. literally says that to him. Uh, anyway, so uh, it's it's yeah. it's definitely a weak point in an otherwise quite strong movie. Yes, um, but this is as good time as any, I think, to uh, get to the grand finale. Uh, this everyone knows uh, the Jessup testimony, uh, the exchange with Kathy on the stand, almost chapter and verse at this point. I uh, began the show with a reference to it uh, that was very well received in the room. Um, <laughs> Uh, where do you even start with this? Um, this is, we've been sort of fawning over Nicholson's performance and Cruz's performance at various points here. And here's where they, here's where they butt heads. Um, this is in coming out of their mouths. The Sorkin dialogue just like completely sings. It's, 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 it's wonderful to watch. Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when you went bad, you cut cuts. these guys loose! Your Honor, you had Marcus inside a phony transfer! Your Honor, you doctored the logbook! Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor! Consider yourself in contempt! Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! 
Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives, and my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. It's something you feel when you're watching iconic Hollywood scenes where they transcend the movie because you've heard the line so much. Even, you know, I remember as a kid, you would hear the line, you can't handle the truth. And I had no idea what the illusion was to. Mm -hmm. But you, but it's just these these famous famous scenes, and when you, you almost just sort of like giggle when it happens because yeah. it's so famous. I think for me, what struck me on this rewatch of it was that I think it may be one of the all time great lines in cinema because it is so memorable and so encapsulates this movie. It's so well delivered and, and the character and the character, and, yeah. sure. But sometimes that turns when something's so famous, it becomes a letdown when you watch it. Yeah. And I didn't find that at all on a rewatch. This was thrilling to watch, yeah. even for the seven millionth time I've seen it. And I think some of that is um, Jack Nicholson has the perfect like shark eyes when he's giving the speech. Oh, yeah. It's like such a good moment. And I think he gets a lot of credit here. But what I was watching a bit more this time was... Tom Cruise's acting, yeah. he's absolutely shocked when he gets him to admit that he ordered the code red. Yeah. Yeah. And that shock registers beautifully on Tom Cruise's face. It's a moment where he's silent. Oh, yeah, he like takes a and, beat. And it's just... The witness has rights. Yeah, it is. It's a <laughs> wonderful scene. So well written, but also there are two titans of yeah. acting in that scene. It's great. Well, I wanted to talk about this, the actual... I mean, it culminates in, the, in what is effectively a confession that a cynic would probably say is... Fairly unrealistic. We'll soon talk about the things that are and are not realistic in this movie. But I but I think what 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 gets missed when people talk about that is that he didn't go in there just kind of like hoping to thunder away at the guy and get him to crack. It's undergirded by this sort of last minute, like it's a little bit of a legal bank shot, but this issue he tries to he tries to kind of nab him on the fact that Santiago made no phone calls. And didn't pack his bag, even though he was allegedly going to be transferred off the base. Um, and then, like, one of my – there's a million great lines that go on here. But when, when Nicholson says, this, are these really the questions I was called here to ask? Yeah, you get a real <laughs> sense at that Phone moment. Phone bills and footlockers. At, oh. at that moment, you, you you know, having seen the movie many times, <laughs> yes. you're like, this might not work. <laughs> yeah, well, and it doesn't. And then, of course – and then, he, and then he, he sort of gets him again with the um, – he gets him to pontificate about how – important it is and how like how clear he can be that his orders are always followed and that if he ordered the men not to touch him 
not to touch Santiago, then there should have been no problem. And that's the first time you see Nicholson takes a beat and he go and he just does like a little bit of like a consternation and he tries to say like sometimes men take things into their own hands or he was a substandard marine he's trying to come up with different right. he's like no 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 he like pounces on him like you see you see it in the physicality of the way he's examining it that, that is in my mind in watching it this time i was like this is why they put logic games on the lsat <laughs> yeah like this is the moment where the lawyer truly gets to show like that's you know, the quintessential, I mean, it doesn't always happen in real life this way, of course. But when people think about like, what are lawyers really good at? Yeah. And it is those logical, like step by step, don't miss a beat kind of things. And that's a great scene to highlight that trait. So of course, it culminates uh, with him uh, confessing uh, sort of in in a moment of rage, almost, uh, it's almost all, like loses, loses composure a little bit. Uh, they arrest him on the spot. Uh, Love that. I mean, I don't know how like how how easily this dovetails with program, but with with protocol. But the way Kevin Bacon just stands up and starts reading him, it's Miranda. Well, that's, <laughs> let's. I mean, I think that that sort of makes a perfect transition. Yeah, yeah. To, we, uh... we might as well. Um, so, well, I, I, yeah. I mean, we we could really start. We could, maybe we should just start there since that's where we just were. Um, the way he. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this up. is the point in the show where we're really getting into like what's right or wrong about right. how they handle all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like to blanket say that I think all three of us agree as we talk about this final scene. We don't really care if this is all wrong because no. the scene is so powerful and wonderful. No. But this is a real stretch, you guys. I don't really care in any of these movies that we're watching whether or not they get stuff right. I mean, I think that if you I, – I, I think that if things are so egregiously wrong that they distract from the yeah. story you're trying to tell, then sure. But – that's not the point of a legal movie. It's 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 better to capture sort of the yeah. spirit of of the law rather than the the technicalities of it. I think. Yes. Uh, much of the. Uh, with that said, a couple technicalities. Uh, sure. Anyway, uh, much of Kathy's examination of Jessup um, has to do with him asking him about how other people feel or other yes. people felt about things. Yep. Almost trademark speculation. This movie's actually pretty sharp on on objections. I thought there's a lot of objections to where people are doing are doing the thing I just said uh, when there's a moment earlier where someone stands up and says, "Is my is is the government actually asking how my clients felt on September 6th yep. and all of that?" But Classic that kind of makes it, but it makes it stand out stand out a little more when it's not done. That was just 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 a small thing. But they do a good job uh, from. From really beginning to end, I think, in this movie of they're not throwing random Latin words at you no. just to sound like they're yeah, important. They right. are mostly nailing the procedure. You know, the the last scene, as you said, there's a lot that probably would not happen in a real courtroom. Sure. Uh, but the for the most part, when even just in that very first scene where Cruz is, is hitting <laughs> grounders, he's mentioning a motion to dismiss. He's mentioning sure. motions in limine. Like, yes. it all sort of... Um, it, it all pretty much nails what they're trying to do, I think. I think for me in that final scene, uh, the the biggest thing that is a, a fiction for cinema is you're not just going to get a witness on the stand and yell at them until they right. you know, admit to something. Well, I think and- you'd probably be stopped well before you could make someone, even if you could make someone angry enough to, to make this admission – you would be stopped before you got to that. And to, to the movie's credit, he yeah, you would probably you're right. You probably would be stopped before it got to yeah. that. 
Um, I noticed this. I think it was the first time I've ever noticed this. The judge is not on screen when he says this, but you you can hear him say, consider yourself in contempt. Yeah. That's Kathy. right. He I does. missed that this time, which is at least a response to what would But then he here. just allows it to continue. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, he does. Um, one thing they do get right, which I was, vi- which they, they almost, this, this is a very sort of quick exchange that almost seems to anticipate commentary like the ones we're doing now about getting something wrong, and that is rebuttal witnesses. When the uh, when the they 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 subpoena the the two airmen to testify about the about the flight yeah. logs, yep. Um, there's immediately a discrepancy about how the you know the the surprise witness, which is the which is a trope of so much you know trashy legal yeah. TV and movies and stuff. And then of course Demi Moore stands right up and says, "These are rebuttal witnesses called to refute test called to refute evidence under you know direct examination or whatever it is." So she's like, "This is yep, this totally is above board. Don't worry about that. These are rebuttal witnesses. I like that." Yeah, and I mean, you alluded to it before, but uh, I'm not sure that the same prosecutor would just immediately (laughs) summarily arrest the guy right in the courtroom. Um, I mean, it was it was great cinema. Yeah, Yeah, love to see it, but you're right. um, This is not a direct sort of legal inaccuracy, but (laughs) um, and and call me naive, but I. I find it sort of hard to believe that the central conceit of the film would really work, that this idea that they had put Cruz on the case as a guy with nine months experience in the yeah. military, no courtroom experience whatsoever, that they put him on the case representing these two guys accused of murder simply to keep it quiet. Um, I assume JAG has some kind of system in place to prevent what what appears to be like a terrible conflict of interest or whatever. I just, you know, I, I just cannot imagine that that sort of basic setup for why all of this is happening this way could really go down. I actually um, thought of that, too, uh, and was sort of doing a little research before we met today. And... Fun fact, there are four different attorneys who claim that Caffey's based on them yeah. from the real life incident that, that awesome. gave Sorkin the idea for this. Um, but one thing that's interesting about that, the reason there's so many that claim they could be the inspiration is because each, it was a hazing incident that he sparked his idea to write this movie. Yeah. And well, his sister was his a, sister was a, was a, was a JAG, JAG uh, Navy attorney. JAG core yes. attorney. And the reason there's so many that could potentially be the inspiration, although Sorkin says none of them are, it's just yeah. this was a fiction, um, is that each of the soldiers that were court-martialed had separate attorneys. So mm-hmm. even just the basics of like both of the two men sure. being represented by one JAG attorney sure. is a little bit unrealistic just to start with. Yeah. The other thing um, that jumped out at me as seeming like it wasn't going – like the, that it wouldn't you know, be the way that the, the system would actually work was how quickly this case got – you know, before a jury. Yeah, sure. Um, but apparently I did a little research and apparently that is sort of a hallmark of the the um, the military court system mm-hmm. that um, the uniform code of military justice has a more demanding requirement for speedy trials than than sort of the traditional Sixth Amendment mm. right to a quick trial. So it does make sense that this would move along faster than than your typical murder trial. Well, no wonder all the settling was so uh, prevalent if yeah. they moved that fast. But actually that to me is the one area that I applaud this movie the most, that it starts with the basic premise that most things settle, which yeah. I think most legal movies don't come at it from yeah. that angle. Mm-hmm. But that's true and, and very realistic. Both, uh, you know, I don't know the exact stats from military court, but definitely true in our criminal and civil system. Mm-hmm. This isn't really a matter of accurate or inaccurate, but just something to note. Uh, Kathy gets home drunk 
uh, after suffering a setback. Then he goes out and uh, drives to get uh, Joe out of the rain. Oh, not great. Look, yeah. we weren't happy about it to I, see. I don't approve of that. Right. Uh, I don't condone that. Not a matter of accuracy. Just a just a just a character question. Uh, anything else on this, or should we uh, uh, move to the uh, the thesis statement? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this movie overall, I think I'd give it a really high rating for accuracy. I think the liberties they take are in in service of the movie and the rest of it pretty spot on. Okay, Um, now let's let's try and put a pin on this a little bit, because I am always fascinated with the question of, you know, there's a million different ways to go at a legal proceeding in a in a piece of dramatic art. And I would like to know what you guys think about um, sort of what this movie has to say about the legal system. Bill, if you want to take it. Well, I think one thing we talk about on Pro Se a lot is that there is this distinction between the way that the law maybe should work, what's right, what's true, and the way that the law actually works, what you can what you can actually succeed in doing in through the American court system given the constraints that are put on it, whether it's power or money or, you know, the complexity of something. It, you know, we talk about it in terms of a small company being bullied by a big company. We talk about it in terms of a big company paying out a nuisance settlement because they just can't litigate that case. Uh, A criminal defendant uh, reaching a plea deal is a thing that has been discussed a lot in in the last few years, Mm -hmm. how few criminal cases go to trial. Um, There are tons of times where you say, theoretically, this is how it should work and you know, but here's how it's actually going to go. The genius of this movie is that it takes that and it turns it, it takes that tension and it turns it into this central character arc for yeah. Kathy, that he's cynical and apathetic and he's always willing to strike these plea deals because for him, that's how the legal system works. It's not a place where it really matters what's right or who has the better argument. It's mm-hmm. really just who has the resources or the time or the willingness to fight. His father, as they constantly tell us throughout the movie, is this paradigm of someone who did fight. And Joe is sort of presented, I mean, a little problematically, as we've said, (laughs) as, you know, more of an idea than an actual character. But she's presented in a similar way that she wants to go out there and fight. Um, So and right down to the last minute, I mean, he could have avoided any of this risk by not putting Jessup on the stand. He's presented with that tension again. so I just I thought the movie was great in terms of that. The the, the outcome I, maybe is a little naive in terms of if you yeah. choose to fight, I don't know that it always works out for you. And that's why that system is the way that it is. But um, the movie put those ideas into contrast and really made me think about them. And it made me think about a lot of the stuff that we talk about on Pro Se. That's the, you know, real life cases. Yeah, it's uh, it's in, it's incredibly sincere. I mean, it's a sincere piece of art right like i mean the idea of you know having uh, this this very cynical husk of a character get hollowed out over the you know or, or rather get you know sort of enlivened over the course of the um of the story is very pointed uh even to the point of you guys can tell me if i'm reading into this like way too much i was struck this time by the uh, sort of folksy script, the end, uh, fading in over the courtroom. <laughs> that was great. It's I like, actually love that. I mean, that's straight out of To Kill a Mockingbird. Absolutely. Like, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but it was just well, like. And he, and he looks back into the courtroom like, oh, yeah, ah, justice. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. You know, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't just give himself a little, you know, punch on the shoulder there or something. But yes, um, I, I think that's well said, Bill. The, the idea that, 
you know, maybe, you know, it's 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 optimistic, perhaps maybe even to a fault, because uh, you know, we, we, we know the justice system doesn't always work this way. But it's not it's not the job of this movie to necessarily take the most realistic view at every turn, which we kind of just talked about in the last segment. Um, but it advances a very sincere uh, and very wholesome, I think, interpretation of the legal profession, the legal system. I mean, perhaps this is me speaking on the basis of the last year and a half we've all lived through. But for me, this time around, having not seen this movie in several years, my big takeaway was uh, when you're feeling really down and out about being a lawyer or any other vocation that you've become a part of and you become too cynical, this movie is that moment of the big hooray for the law. This truly is a look at how the legal system can work if well-intentioned people fight, 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 and don't give up. It's a perseverance movie. Yeah. You know, I've called it a morality play about seven times in this podcast, but it really is that moment of like, if you do the right thing, you will get the the the, the legal outcome that you deserve. Yeah. And, you know, there might have been other times in my life where I would have been less excited about that notion. Yeah. But given the year we've all lived through, it was a nice reminder that if you really dedicate yourself, really good things can happen. Uh, love this movie. Love this. Love movie. talking about it with you guys. Had a great time. Yes. Uh, we'll see you next week on the uh, Pro Se Movie Club. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pro Se Movie Club. We'd like to thank our producer Stephen Trader for editing today's show as well as our graphic designer, Chris Yates. Music for the show comes from Ashley Shadow. The Movie Club will be back next week with a discussion of the seminal courtroom comedy that became a sacred text for generations of lawyers. That's right, it's my cousin Vinny. See you next week. <laughs>